Welcome to Brisbane West Vineyards Podcast. It's great to have you with us. We're a community of people sharing God's love, power, and life that's revealed in Jesus. We gather Sundays, 5pm, at Good News Lutheran School in Middle Park. We exist simply for the King and His Kingdom, that His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So tonight we're looking at living in the Father's generosity. Um, And in this run-up to Advent, we've been uh, looking at living in the Father's joy and peace, grace. Tonight we're looking at generosity. And then there's two more to come, uh, hope and love, which Jonathan and Helen will pick up. Um, There's stacks that you could preach on about generosity I've done my best to stay well clear of cliche verses, right? Um, so if you've got a Bible with me, with you, sorry, not with me, um, then let's open it to 2 Corinthians 9. It'll be 10 and 11. Paul is writing a letter to the Jesus people in Corinth. Now, he is responding to a letter. So we have 1 Corinthians and we have 2 Corinthians um, so letters are going backwards and forwards, right? Um, as Paul is on missionary trips, people are delivering letters uh, both to him and from him, right? So um, there are lots of letters that we actually don't have the letters in which people have written to Paul. So we are basically reading one side of a letter here, right? Um, now, Paul covers a heap in 2 Corinthians, um, But in this section here, 2 Corinthians 9, we actually land um, in a section about generosity. Now, if you read read just three or four verses earlier, you'll know the verse, the cliche verse, um, which I'm avoiding tonight. But I would like you to read it later, right? So that I haven't just preached something that's... um, I've just gone against what I've preached, all right? Now, Paul is speaking here about generosity, and it's, he's speaking about its place and its purpose in the kingdom of God. Now, we have to remember we are kingdom people, so this applies to us. Okay? Paul's writing it to the people in Corinth, but there's something for us in this tonight. So, we'll read it. I'll see if I put it up there. No, I didn't. So, we'll be reading it from our uh, particular verses. It says, Now he... The he there is meaning God. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So the first point here is that as Jesus' people, Paul speaks to the Corinthians and he says, God supplies the seed to the sower and he supplies bread for food, right? Now, from a theological perspective, the seed is the beginning of everything, right? That's where it all begins with the seed, so when you hear someone said they supplied seed money for a business venture, right? The money is the beginning. 
It's the thing that kicks it off. But Paul is not necessarily speaking, well, I should just say it straight away. Paul actually is referring back to Genesis, right? So the thing about Paul is that in everything that he writes, he's always referencing what? The Old Testament, because that's his scriptures, right? So when he uses the term seed, he's referring to Genesis 1, 2, and right? God created, and he's laying a foundation here. And what he's saying is, as God took the chaos and the nothingness, and he brought form to it with his word and his spirit hovering, God spoke and actions took place, and all sorts of things came forth in the beginning. So the seed is connected to the beginning of something, right? But then he goes on to say there that in Genesis, the seed has the ability to reproduce what? Its own kind, right? So it has the ability and the capacity in each seed to bring forth more of itself, So that's the image Paul's trying to land us in here. So what he's saying to the readers is God is the author and the source in which everybody on the earth receives from. Right? That's what he's pointing us back to. Now the beauty of God is he just didn't do it once. He actually engineered the seed so that when it gets planted, it multiplies itself, right? It has the ability to reproduce its own kind. But the interesting thing is that if I gave you a seed and you did nothing with it, then it would produce what? Nothing. But it has the capacity to produce something, doesn't it? But there's an activation part, all right? So what we know is that if you buy seeds and you leave them in the barn, they don't become a harvest. They don't become a crop. So Paul goes on and he says, God supplies bread for food and he will also supply and increase your store. Now, if you remember to the last time I spoke, Paul's using a lot of farming colloquialisms. Is that the term? Terminology, use that. Farming terminology, because he's speaking to people who have an understanding of it. You and I, less so, right? Because we're not as connected to farming as they were at the time. Paul's point in saying this is that God is so generous to us and to humanity that at the beginning of time, the Lord has been continually providing seeds and bread for every generation after generation, after generation, after generation, right? God's generosity spans thousands and thousands and thousands of years. That's the God that we serve, right? How quick are we at times? I am guilty of this. To think, ah, looks like God's gone on holidays and just left it all to burn, right? Look at all this stuff that's going on at the moment. How possible, how could God be involved in any of that? How could he be generous in the midst of these things? Well, what Paul's saying is 
you have to look at his generosity from the beginning of time to this moment in time, right? And the proof is that he's a generous God. So, as I wondered, the seed and the bread, I realised that if you just plant seeds in the ground, they don't turn into bread. Anyone else notice that? Right? There seems to be a gap. Now, Paul doesn't talk about it. We just read it. He talks about seeds and food. But to me, there was a big question mark in the middle of, well, what happens between the seeds and the bread? Right? This is the part where Paul's calling us as Jesus people, the people in Corinth first, and then us today, calling us into something here. Right? So we see that God's been generous for thousands of generations, but if we just plant a seed, we don't get bread. Right? So let's have a look. I've done a little flow chart here. This is to help me, and I hope that this helps you. So stick with me with it, all right? Here we go. So if you can see that, what we've seen so far is God gives the earth, and clearly not a bag of seeds, okay, right? They didn't come in bags back then. But he gave them to humanity, and then humanity has a part here to do what? Plant the seeds, right? So God gives to humanity, and humanity plants. Everyone following that a little bit? Right, cool. Now God does something that doesn't involve humanity right now in the next step. God gives the sun and the rain, right? And things grow without you and me involved, right? Next step. This is our part. This is not the Lord's part. This is our part. We are to tend the crop, right? Now, clearly, they didn't have tractors back then. I'm just trying to help us with the visual things here. But we are to tend to the crop, right? And God calls us to reap the harvest, right? Everyone with me on this? Okay. It's like farming 101. But then something interesting happens here. If you reap the harvest and you take all of the flour and you put all the ingredients in it, you add your water and you do all that stuff to make bread, okay, and you leave it in the dough, do you have bread? No. There's a crucial element that you and I now can very easily access, but back then not so much, heat and fire, right? Byproduct of the Lord's. We didn't create the moon, we didn't create the sun, we didn't create the rain, Right? We didn't create the soil. We didn't create the seeds. We didn't create fire. But it's necessary for us to have bread. right? And the bread is made for us to eat and repeat and do it all over again. right? Everybody with me on this? You confused? Sure. Look confused. So here's the point. God is generously providing the seed, the soil, the sun, the rain, and the heat, our ability to actually create bread. He provides all of that 
for our food. But the point is that if God gives us the seeds and we don't plant them, nothing grows. Right? If we don't tend to the harvest after we've planted the seeds and God sent the sun and sent the rain, there's no harvest. If we don't tend to the crop, there's no bread. Right? Now, there is biblical precedent that bread fell out of the sky for a long period of time. Does anyone know about that? Right? God was busy making bread, falling out of the sky. Right? So there's biblical precedent for that. But what Paul's saying here is that as Jesus' people, God, calls us to be active in his generosity. We've got a part to play in this. So, we know that it's absolutely possible that God could supply all of us as much bread as we want for as long as we want. God has the ability to do that by his supernatural means. But Paul says something here that's really interesting. He said, God provides seed to the sower. God is willing and he is ready and he has provided all of these mechanisms for us for anyone who is prepared to sow the seeds and tend to the crop and harvest it. Right? God's provision is already in place. So many of us think we're waiting on God. Turns out it's the other way around. He's waiting on us. It's waiting on us to get involved in the process. Now, Paul says that as we sow, okay, we're not talking about putting money into the church bucket, okay? As we sow, and I'll show you what that looks like shortly, but as we participate in this process, right, God increases our part of it. God's invitation to humanity, according to Paul, is to activate the seed that's dormant. So we are called to activate the seeds that are dormant, right? We are under the one who gave the seed, but then we are to partner with the one who gives the seed, to plant it, to tend to it, and enjoy the harvest of it. Now, if you and I don't plant the seed and we don't tend and we don't harvest, all we have is what? The seed. That's all we have. No bread. So God's invitation to us is an active invitation. It's something we've got to say yes to. God's generosity is activated by our action. We'll be very careful about this. You can see how much God does in this equation. It's quite a lot, right? But you can see we got a part in this as well. God's generosity gets activated and it becomes visible. 
in our lives and in those around us when we partner with him in his invitation. So to collect everything that Paul said between the seed, right, we're only in the first line here, from the seed to the bread, we as Jesus people have to realise he is the provider of the seed. We don't go anywhere else for the seed, right? Our hope is not in anything else. The Lord is the provider of the seed. But he is the provider of the soil as well. Place where it gets planted. The sun, the rain, and then the heat, which activates all of those things together, which gives us food. Now, he generously provides all these things, and he does it, and in order of us engaging with him in this process, life gets sustained, right? So we are a part of the creation process here. So when Paul talks about the seed, that's the beginning, right? And so bread is the continuation of the seed, right? Until Jesus comes back. So the question for us is, are we prepared to partner with God's generosity, right? Do we see we have a part to play in it? When we do, we see that our stores of seed will enlarge. Now, the passage is often, this one is often taught in Christian giving circles, right? So now time, take out your wallets and we're going to give an offering to the Lord. That's normally what comes after this verse. It's not the wrong context because that's what Paul is speaking about, right? It's about Christians giving because God is generous. We give out of the response. But as I was reflecting on this story for my own life, when I left home, I was 16. And the circumstances of leaving weren't the best circumstances. Um, I was closer to 17, but I was still 16. And I had finished grade 11. And when I walked out of my home, I had the shoes on my feet and I had two sets of clothes in a bag and I'll be honest with you, I stole $5 out of the jar at the bottom of the, you know, we used to have a phone that was on the wall. <laughs> you remember those ones with the cord? And it'd ring and everyone had raced to it. Like, you didn't know who was calling. We had one of those, right? Just on the edge of it, but we still had one of those. And we had, you know, that junk tray, paper clips, rubber bands, odd coins, you used to got one of those, yeah, near your phone or, or somewhere on your... Our whole bench at home is like a junk clip. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it's another story. But I went rummaging through there. My, my dad and my stepmom were not home. I went rummaging through there and I took all, all of the money and it came to five bucks. Um, so I'm ashamed that I stole that money from <laughs> um, But with my bag, my shoes, one set of clothes and five dollars... I moved out of home, and I didn't tell them that I was leaving. And that, that doesn't bring me much, I'm not proud of that. Um, but I was walking to the bus stop, it was about 5 k's walk, somewhere around there. I was walking to the bus stop, 
And in my heart, I'd realise that this was a moment I don't get to turn back from. This is a moment I don't get to undo. This moment, this moment will define... It's going to define relationships. It's going to define lots and lots of things. And so on that 5K walk to the bus stop, it was down at the shopping centre, um, I had a list of things in my heart. And those list of things were going to make me something, right? If I did this, then I'd be valuable. If I did that, I would have meaning. If I became this person and owned these things and had this money and, you know, just all these things, right? List in my mind. But I knew in that moment that walking to the bus, my whole life was going to change. I don't know how I was going to feed myself with five bucks. I don't know where I was going to sleep with five dollars. And I didn't really know. Now, some people will say, well, that serves you right for just leaving home without saying anything. And that's a fair point. Fine. Fair point. But I was really determined to kind of break out of whatever mould, real or perceived, I will say that. And so off I went. When we fast forward a little bit, uh, Naomi and I got married in 2009 and a friend of mine stood up at our wedding reception and said, Dan was a self-made man. Everything he has today, he's worked hard for. And in many ways, that was absolutely true. I'd worked for everything that I had, right? And I'd worked really hard for it. But very shortly, I turned 40. And when I think about it 24 years on, I think actually... I did have a part to play in it, but not as much as I thought. It was actually God's generosity. And as I was reflecting on this, I was realising that actually the Lord was generous consistently to me in every moment from leaving that house, and even before that, so I don't want to discount that. But in the poorest moments of my life, what is evident was God's generosity. Now, as I reflect on it now, what I realise is that when I stepped on that bus and gave the bus driver $5 and I said, can you please take me into the city? I actually didn't know what I was going to eat for dinner or where I was going to sleep. Right? But what I now realise is that God was providing for the bus driver a job and a means in which the bus driver could provide for his family. So he provided me a journey, but he was also looking after the bus driver and their family. And as I was thinking about what was going to happen when I got off the other end of the bus... God brought me across two brothers and the two brothers welcomed me to crash onto their couch. Now, I had known them before and somehow they got word that I was heading on a bus because there was no mobile phone kind of things there. I was heading on a bus and I was heading into the city and they were in there. 
And they said to me, hey, why don't you come and crash on the couch? So there's two uni students. And as I think about it now, they provided a roof over my head and food on uni allowances. Right? Now, if you can do that for yourself on uni allowances, you're doing well. But to then invite other people in and be generous with the very little that you have, right? God's doing something in that space. My first job came from a character reference of a lady who knew the head of catering at the Hilton. And this lady picked up the phone and said, I have somebody here who will always turn up to work and who will work hard. Have you got a position? It doesn't matter what it is. And I was given an opportunity to enter into the industry that I had not actually been trained, right? Everyone I was working with had gone to TAFE and learnt how to do what this role was. And I'm like Johnny, no friends, no nobody, right, who gets given a job off the equity of somebody else. Right? Somebody else's hard work opened the door for me in that moment. That's the Lord's generosity to me. My first car came at the cost of two blocks of dark chocolate. Now, to be honest with you, it had no wheels. <laughs> it had no internal linings in it. The engine started. And the old guy said to me, two blocks of chocolate, man, I don't care how you get it home. Right? And I said to him, well, does it start? He's like, yeah, runs like a treat. Pulls the battery out, shoves it in, engine kicked over. He's like, it hasn't been run for, for ages. So I went to the wreckers and I bought four wheels and we put it on a car trailer, again, with no money, with the generosity of other people, right? Other people's fuel, other people's cars, other people's trailers, right? And God provided me a reliable fuel-efficient 1976 Toyota Corolla, okay? I had no money. I just started to get on my feet and I had a car accident in someone else's car in the rain. And it was not good. There was a lot of damage and it was very, very complicated. Um... But God, at the time, brought two amazing friends of mine um, who are dear friends. Still today. They helped me navigate the insurance. They helped me navigate how to break the news to the person. I'm really sorry I've crashed your car, it wasn't intentional, it was just one of those moments. They also spotted me the excess <laughs> of a, how old? Of an 18-year-old kid. Right now, if you've had your children go through, there's an excess for, like, those who can drive. <laughs> there's an excess for those who are, like, newly driven. And, you know, my friend said to me, they said, we got the excess, let us cover it. And I said to him, I can't, I, I, I have to pay you back every dollar of that. And they said, fine, 
Do what you need to do. But what they did by spotting the excess meant was I could eat for the next six months, right? On my very small amount of wage, I had the next six months where I could pay it back to them. Now, they didn't want it back, but I had to pay it back. But this is God's generosity, right? And this is the journey I'm hoping you're seeing, that God's generosity is not just us reaching into our pockets and putting it in a bucket in church, right? That's important because it helps to pay our electricity and my wage for a day a week, right? So it goes somewhere. It goes to tangible things and important things. But as I was reflecting on this process, I realised I've had so many near misses in my life, so many near misses, like fatal moments, where if I'd gone left instead of turning right, then my life would be in really bad shape. And it's been the generosity, it's been the wisdom of others who have come along and said, Dan, don't, don't, don't do that. Don't step this way. This is not going to help you. You need to travel in this direction. So what I'm here to tell you tonight is that God has given me seed after seed after seed after seed after seed, right? And some of those I've activated and some of those I have not. But God has brought me to here where I am today in this moment because of his generosity present through other people to me in my life. So I've had an activating part in it, but it's been the Lord, right? And when we look at this, we could say, yeah, well, look, God provided the earth, the seed. We did our bit by planting it. It grew all on his accord. I had to tend something and harvest it. I had to rely on him for moments. And then in the very small amount of ingredients I've mixed together, I continue to eat. (laughs) And so does our household, right? To kind of bring my story to a bit of an end, in June this year, I had a, I can't say a midlife crisis, because that's not the right term, but I had a crisis because I realised that when I left home at 16, God had answered every prayer in my heart in some form or another. I actually had nothing that I could ask him for because he had done it all. And I haven't turned 40 yet, right? It's in a few months. So in 24 years, he had taken a young boy who left with five bucks and nowhere to go and nothing to eat. And I stand before you today and I say, look at the generosity of the Lord and see that he is present. So I offer you this. If you've received anything from us, It's God's generosity to you through us.
It's not been us. It's been the Lord's generosity to you through us. And if we've blessed you, know that that's the Lord's work. And we've been the ones who've been able to activate it. And I'm so grateful for that, for the moments where we've been able to activate what God's doing. And when I think about my list going forward, I don't have a list. I think, Lord, whatever you want to activate in me going forward, I'm all yours. You have proven to me that time and time again you will deliver. So this has caused me to ask, what was the generosity of God present around me in these moments? And I can stand here today saying I have a job and I have a roof over my head, which I didn't at the time. I had a meal on the table, which I didn't at the time. And I have friends who I can call, those same friends that stepped in and said, hey, we'll put ourselves on the line to help you through these moments. I have those friends to call in times of trouble and in times of joy. And so the challenge for us tonight is that have you ever stood in a moment where a dream of yours has come true? Where you've realised this is happening? I need to pinch myself right now? What happens in those moments is you need to reimagine what life looks like because the whole focus has been about that at some point, right? Our whole focus is that. And what we see from this diagram is that the Lord has another seed for us for the next one, right? When the bread's made and we can enjoy it, the Lord says, how about the next seed? And so my question to you is, will you say yes to God for the next seed, right? In this next season, will you say yes to what he's doing? Maybe you haven't had your lists checked off. And I'm, you know, I'm not saying you need a list. Some people are wound that way. I'm less list now than I used to be when I was little. But my encouragement is that if you are going through something that, or have been going through something that is so dark and so hard and so impossible, and yet you wake up in the morning, as Helen said, there's hope for us. Right? There's hope for us. So what seeds are you still holding in your hand that the Lord has asked you to plant? That would be my question. Clearly this diagram shows us it's not all up to us. But there are key parts that are up to us. And if you're holding them, plant them. What harvests do you need to recall in the moments of where you find yourself now? Where you can say, yeah, no, look, look what the Lord's done for us. Look at the crop of his hard work and our hard work. Look what it has provided us, right? So what I want to challenge tonight 
is when we talk about generosity and Christian generosity, again, I mentioned it, it's really about how much money do you put in the offering bucket. And I just want to disperse that. And I want to say there is a part to do that, right? And Paul says earlier in the verse that we read that each should give according to what the Lord places on his heart, okay? It's an individual thing, and there are guidelines for it, but you should tithe and you should make your offerings known to the Lord, okay? There's no compulsion for you to do that. It's a decision between you and the Lord. But what I want to challenge us to walk away from is how we view the generosity of God and how we view our ability to be generous, So, living in the Father's generosity. Generosity is freely giving our time. Now, some of us don't have a lot of it, and that's okay. Right? When we give it, we don't give it out of compulsion, we give it out of the joy. Generosity is freely giving our wisdom or experience. And I mentioned this before. I had really wise people say to me at key moments in my life, do not. At any cost, do what you're about to do. (laughs) Do not do it. And I resented them for it. And they took a risk on me and said, I've got to say this really straight, otherwise this is going to go bad for you. One particular friend of mine ended up moving to a completely different country. And it was 10 years later to somewhere in the month that we were able to catch up with them and I said to him, face to face, I said, thank you, you saved me from utter destruction, but I've resented you for it ever since. (laughs) And he said to me, it's God's generosity to you. Who are his words? And I was like, yeah, actually it was. So not all wisdom you get from people you like, (laughs) right? But it can save you from destruction. So generosity is freely giving our wisdom or experience. It might be mentoring, it might be coaching, it might just be walking life. It might be answering the telephone to someone who calls you once a year and says, hey, I need help. Great. That's the Lord's generosity to them through you. In my case, I was given a reference, a credible recommendation. And that allowed me to get a job in an industry that I've had no training for, right? Turns out God does this all the time. It's not what you know, it's who you know, right? So if you're that person and the Lord puts it on your heart, take the risk, right? Don't take the risk on anybody. But if the Lord prompts you to do it, take the equity which he's given you, your hard work, right? And give someone an opportunity, That's being generous. We can be free with the giving of our money. Now, what I will say to this is that the very definition of generosity is you live with your hand open. That is the dictionary's description of generosity, which means whatever comes in your hand, you can freely manoeuvre to someone else because your hand is open. And that's my prayer for my life, 
is that whatever the Lord places in my hand, I, without thinking twice, can say, Lord, if you're doing this, I'm there. And if you're doing this, Lord, I'm there. Right? And that's living with the hand open. You can only do that when you remember that the Lord is the one that's been providing everything up until this moment. Right? That's how you openly give away what you've been given. Sometimes things are important to us. Sometimes we value things more than we value people. Generosity is giving away those things when the Lord asks us to do it. Now, for some of us, that might be a piece of cake. And for others of it, it might be a real struggle. So Paul gives us, in kind of finishing this up, Paul gives us a byproduct, a result. And those who are mathematical, one plus one equals two, right? The effects. This is what happens when you live your life with your hands open, with, as I've said, your time, your wisdom, your money, however that kind of looks like. Paul says this in verse 11. He says, you will be enriched in every way. Wouldn't we love that? Wouldn't every aspect of our life, wouldn't we love to be enriched? Like the term enriched means like overflowing with the goodness of something. But then he says, you'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. It's the enrichment for what? Giving away more seeds. That's what it is. And through your generosity will come thanksgiving to God. So this is my thanksgiving to the Lord. And this is my thanksgiving to everyone who has been generous to me and faithful to stepping out and saying, I will honour God and I will take a risk on this Dan guy. (laughs) And I think if you think about it yourself, your whole life is full of moments where people have risked things for you, right? Have gone out of their way for you and have been generous to you, right? And that is the Lord's provision. And so in finishing, I just want to say that my prayer for us is that whatever we're holding on to, the Lord will just gently open our hands because we want to be sowers of seeds, right? We want to be ones who offer the wisdom of the Lord, the opportunities. We want those who are coming behind us and those around us to be better off because we're there and because God's blessing them through us. Isn't that right? Isn't that what we want? We want to be able to enrich the lives of others. So, Lord, I just ask that the stuff that we've held on to the things we hold now. God, we just want to reach out and say, Lord, activate us. The seeds that we're holding in our hands shut. Help us to plant them, Lord. Help us to let 
the stuff go. Lord, I ask that just this week there would be a revelation of your generosity and how you have consistently for thousands and thousands and thousands of generations, but also just in our individual lives. We have faithfully and continually provided for us and for those around us. And so, Lord, I want to pray a blessing over every single person who has been generous to me in my life. That has resulted in me standing here today. And I give you thanks for that, Lord. And, Lord, I also want to pray a blessing on every single person here and how you have generously blessed them through others. Would you bless those who have just generously given themselves away. So we ask, Lord, would you help us to live lives that are enriched by your spirit and by your presence? Lord, let us be people who sow seeds that reap really good works in other people's lives. Father, I also pray that we would be a people that display your generosity. where we call to account principalities and powers that consistently call us to be selfish, to be self-minded and self-centred. And when we stand up and we say, no, God is generous. God is our provider. And we want to partner with what he's doing. So we just say more, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your spirit, for your wisdom and for your revelation. In Jesus' name, amen.